Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And uh, we're here again to talk about games, talk about storytelling, talk about uh, one particular area of, of game. I don't, wanna, I, I don't wanna say game design because I, want to, I never feel comfortable being like, we're gonna talk about an element of game design because yes, we're not us game designers. designers. Look at yeah. all these games we've worked on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But like an, an, an aspect of, of like one line of game engagement, I guess, is a good way of putting it. What are we talking about this week, Dylan? Uh, we're talking about puzzles. Um, maybe not necessarily like puzzles, but I guess like broaden that to um, overcoming progression barriers. Yeah, I mean, that's, this is honestly an okay place to start because like puzzles in games covers a pretty wide swath of like what a game can be. Because on the one hand, there's things like there are entire puzzle games. There are entire games that are built around the idea of like here is a puzzle mechanic and we're going to give you increasingly complicated variations on that. Then there's games like, uh, you, when, when you pitched this idea, you were, you were like, you know, they're one of the, the examples you gave was, you know, the, the block pushing and physics puzzles in something like the half-life series. Right. And then there's games where, you know, if you look at something like several of the Zelda games or, most like point and click adventure games you could kind of abstract those out into just sort of being one big puzzle to solve so there's there's a lot of of stuff that gets wrapped up in this idea was there a particular angle that you were you were looking at i think this conversation started when i was thinking about the tales games uh mm. as i do apparently i've been i've been thinking about a lot i've been thinking a lot about that era of uh games in rpg uh specifically uh tales of symphonia and tales of the abyss like the early to mid 2000s and tales of symphonia uh is a game that is littered with dungeons with like very gamey puzzles in that game you have a key item called the sorcerer's ring and you have to um the sorcerer's ring is something that on the overworld or while exploring a dungeon you can hit the x button and it sends a little projectile of something um, and what that is, is fired by default, but uh, you will go to some dungeons that change the properties of the Sorcerer's Ring, and they will design puzzles entirely around that, like, element that the Sorcerer's Ring absorbs. So, um, off the top of my head, when you when you go to the Water Temple, um, the Sorcerer's Ring starts, like, gains the ability to spit water. There's, like, there's one dungeon I remember where it, like, blows gusts of wind and you have to use that to activate wind turbines in different ways um just stuff like that yeah 
That that's giving me big. I I, I have played a little bit of Tales of of, uh, of Vesperia, but that's about as deep into the franchise as I've gotten. Yeah, I need the Sorcerer's uh, Ring's also in Vesperia, so gotcha. I think they're, they're on my list of of my my ever growing list of JRPGs <laughs> I want to play. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm not gonna front, Chris. JRPGs are a fucking time commitment, and well, that's I the reason to... I, that list never gets smaller, <laughs> right? Uh, um, I struggle to uh, um, keep up with them um honestly play one for a couple hours and if it feels like your bag like you'll probably stick with it and if not it's okay you might pick it up again 20 years later yeah (laughs) if you're me (laughs) yeah that that it what you're describing is giving me big like classic zelda dungeon design Mm -hmm. like the the one that i always go back to that that to this day i think might be my favorite zelda dungeon is um Eagle's Tower, that's what it's called. Uh, Eagle's Tower in Link's Awakening. Let me make sure I'm remembering. Yeah, th- okay, yes. I, I had to do a quick check to make sure I wasn't conflating this with a different, uh, a different dungeon. But Link, uh, Link's Awakening, the, the level Hera's, or Eagle's Tower. I, I kept thinking Hera's Tower because I've been playing Link to the Past recently. And so that's the tower mm-hmm. name that's in my head. Oh, yeah. I love... Um, uh... Harris Tower Wait, is, is also Her- really good. Harris Tower is the third dungeon, right? I think so. Yeah, it's the it's the last one before you go to the yes. Dark World. Oh man, um, I love A Link to the Past. We should talk about A Link to the Past. It's a great game. <laughs> Abandon uh, the topic. Let's talk about A Link. To the <laughs> but yeah, like no. like mm-hmm. Zelda dungeons frequently will be built around like whatever item you get there. Like how you were saying the the Not Tales dungeons the are are what's that? <laughs> I said, not a link to the past. I not could, a link to the past, but I'm, like, I'm gonna be t- I'm gonna be talking about a link to the past later in the episode. So there we I'm go. Just hey, get out maybe my that'll be the right next now. point of discussion. But like <laughs> a lot of the dungeons and in, in Zelda games end up being more or less themed around whatever item you're gonna find there. So they're they are built to kind of railroad you through with dead ends that you can't do anything with, and then you find the item and you realize, oh, I can access all those dead ends now. Mm-hmm. Eagle's Tower. The entire conceit of of Eagle's Tower is that you are trying to navigate your way around this tower. It's fairly small. It's got several floors, um, but like the area of each floor is fairly constrained. Mm-hmm. And in order to progress, what you need to do is manipulate these. You you arrive there after having found the uh, the power gloves. You can pick up big heavy things, and you need to carry this sequence of like gigantic bowling balls through the tower and like from room to room to get them to the pillars that are holding the tower up so that you can smash the pillars at which point the middle the center part of the tower collapses and the entire floor layout changes oh and so that's nifty have have you played through link's awakening all the way dylan Um, because i think i have not um you should it is it is like this is maybe a weird opinion, but it's one of my favorite Zelda games. I know. No, that it, I think it's up there. It's up there for a lot of people. Um, yeah. I I own the original Game Boy, like black and white Game Boy mm-hmm. uh, cartridge of it, and I I remember really enjoying it. But I always and this is this is the same with the other Game Boy Color Zeldas as well. For whatever reason, I could not tell you. I always burn out halfway, and I'm like, I should pick this up again. And but I that's never fair. Fucking do. Yeah, and then but, by the time I want to play it again, I start over and it's a it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
but yeah, the just the the fact that they built this entire dungeon around like the dungeon is a puzzle, and it's a puzzle <laughs> of like you figuring out how to maneuver the ball from room to room because you can't just carry it in in one shot. There'll be uh, rooms where you have to like throw it over a barrier that Link can't get over, and then sort of circumnavigate around to it to find the 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 ball, and then take it the next leg of the journey. Mm-hmm. And by the time you do that, you ha- you know this dungeon like the back of your hand, and then the entire floor plan changes because you've altered the what floor is on which level. And oh, that's it, wild! I love it's that. It's so good, and it that to me is like. I enjoy dungeons that are very carefully constructed to be like, let's get all of the different, all of the use we can out of like this tool that you have. I think that's cool. And there's a lot of very good Zelda dungeons that are built around that. But right. the the ones that feel like we're just going to build a Rubik's Cube, like uh, Eagle's Towers one, the infamous water temple in Ocarina of Time, I think is a great example of this. Mm-hmm. Like as as tough as that can feel your first time through it's fun to like pick away at this little rube goldberg machine and try to like get all the pieces in the right orientation to be able to like i actually think the water temple would be an amazing um dungeon its only problem is that there is just one key too many and yeah. it's super easy to overlook, and there's no reason it had to be that difficult. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. There, okay, sorry, there are two keys too many. There is one key that's in a tr- chest that gets revealed when you raise the water level, but if you miss, if you miss that detail in the cutscene that shows the water level raising, you would not think to go down there. And that's that kind of sucks. And then yeah. um, I, this is this is a, a digression, I admit, but like I just have to. This is my soapbox. No, that's um, totally fair. And like I, it is on the more obtuse than necessary side for is sure. Also, and this is the one that like really cha- like chafes my ass you, when you <laughs> kill Darkling and you mm-hmm. get the long shot. Um, I think that's how you where you get the long shot. There is another chest in that room with a small key. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't think to grab that chest, you're just like going around the dungeon being like, where the hell is it? Why can't I progress? <laughs> That's all I have to say. I'm just like, That's no, this, this is not the place for small keys. This is place for item. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Like, I- minor thing (laughs) no absolutely and i i just i think it's it's interesting to look at how differently puzzles can kind of present themselves even in like the same franchise like you can have Mm -hmm. very different takes on like what a puzzle you know your puzzle being kind of synonymous with dungeon uh can look like and and the the way it can kind of challenge you as a player yeah what was Um, the what was the link to the past take Oh, I was I was going to get to that in a second, yeah. but I, I wanted to go back to Tales of Symphonia because I was actually going to contrast that with um, Tales of the Abyss. Oh, really? Which um, has a lot more uh, straightforward dungeons, and there, you still have the Sorcerer's Ring in Tales of the Abyss, but it's a lot more situational, and um, the Sorcerer's Ring doesn't change to fit the theme of a dungeon. Uh, when you get new abilities for the Sorcerer's Ring, you can toggle it with the R2 button. Um, 
but uh that being said like the the dungeons that do have puzzles um i think the game does a little bit more to make it feel less gamey in a way like um in tales of symphonia like the first dungeon uh the I'm not even going to call it a tutorial dungeon, but just like the first dungeon you enter, there's like you kill an enemy and it turns into a block and there's a block pushing puzzle. And uh, the two two of the smarter characters in the party are like, oh, I get it. That's what we have to do. And like the the um, the dumber characters are like, wait, what? Because like on <laughs> that, it is such a gamey thing that like, yeah, the characters in the story would be like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. Why? Why? <laughs> why is this monster respawning why does it turn into a block what is going on <laughs> what um, is happening to us right but um in in tales of the abyss like there's a little bit more of an effort to like give a puzzle its own character so the the one that comes to mind is there's a dungeon in tales of the abyss called coral castle and it is a um it is a location that has to do with like the main character's tragic backstory so it's got kind of like a haunted mansion type of vibe to it um, so there are these ghost enemies around and, uh, these ghost enemies like carry some kind of essence. I'm just going to call it mana, even though that's not what it is. Like that's just people know what mana is. Right. Um, so the ghosts will run away from you, but you need like the key item it has on it essentially. So, um, what you have to do is you kind of have to like put up barriers in the ghost's path and yes i know it's a ghost why can't it just phase through shut up um don't ask stupid questions don't ask <laughs> stupid questions. if you can kill it with a sword you can put uh the like a statue in its way so it has to move um but like just something like that kind of gives the uh the dungeon itself like a bit more character in a way that doesn't feel quite as like a designer made this like in 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 both instances like they're super puzzly they're super um gamey but like one kind of keeps you in the fiction while the other kind of emits like oh yeah this is part of like you know we are acknowledging in universe that this is a video game puzzle yeah, almost yeah <laughs> Um, and I don't know, I, I find that dichotomy kind of interesting and fun. No, one's not better than the other. Like, obviously, if you got a fun puzzle, you got a fun puzzle. I don't need to be immersed <laughs> in the act of pushing but, blocks. But Dylan. <laughs> yeah, this this podcast, like, might it might surprise you, but this podcast about storytelling in video games does not really care about immersion. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I guess it's time for me to move on to A Link to the Past, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm very curious to, to so hear your... there is a, a bunch of directions I can go with this. Um, I think the, the first and more minor one is, um, there's kind of been, in, until Breath of the Wild, really, there's kind of been a stigma around um, bosses in Zelda, where it's like, you found an item in the dungeon, hit the enemy with the item to expose their weak point, slash with sword rinse repeat for like two to three two to six phases let's say um and i think what's what's interesting about a link to the past is like there's a little bit of that like in the first dungeon you use the bow and arrow as the most effective way to take care of the um the i think they're armos knights or something like that like it's it's a group of knights that hop mm -hmm. around and you use the item you found in the dungeon to kill them but like 
pretty quickly after that, like, you're kind of given a lot of freedom with how you fight the bosses, because they're more skill checks. They're, they're more, like, just straight-out slugs than any real kind of, like, strategy or puzzle to them. Okay. Um, and I, I think, like, that kind of characterizes A Link to the Past as a whole, really. Um, the puzzles feel a lot less, you know, designed for the player to be like, Oh yes, I got this item. Now it's time for me to consider all the applications that, you know, I saw a switch in the other room. Maybe I need to use the bow and arrow to hit that switch. Uh, that's really not how A Link to the Past rolls. Like, yes, there are some barrier progressions that, like, you need to overcome with a key item. But I feel like A Link to the Past is so much more about, like, kind of getting, internalizing the dungeon layout. And, yeah. uh, really just kind of, it, it, it's about progression for progression's sake and there's something really enjoyable about that and i think one of my favorite ones is um i forgot what the name of this dungeon is but it's in it's like it's late game it's like the seventh or eighth dungeon um it's it's in like the uh dark world equivalent of the lost woods but that oh, is a dungeon. i know what one you're thinking of uh i'll, I'll look it up real quick skull woods that's what it's called Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And oh right, because that's the, the one where like you're, you're having to like jump for, like between like traverse the overworld and then drop down into like different entrances of the dungeon. Yes, there there are multiple yeah. entrances into the dungeon, and when you have the map, like you have a basic idea on how it's all connected, but you have to like not just be thinking about the dungeon as one continuous thing. You you also have to think this is a dungeon with multiple hidden entrances that. And occasionally to progress, I will need to leave the section of the dungeon I'm in, go to the overworld, hunt around for a different entrance that I think lines up with where I need to be um, and, you know, go go about it that way. And I love that. That is that is one of the coolest. Um, I'm a link to the past, Stan, if you can't tell. Um, <laughs> if you don't like a link to the past, uh, don't at me. I don't care about your Zelda opinions. <laughs> Except please add us. We want to, we want engagement on social media. <laughs> Don't at me. You can at Backstage Gaming so it's Chris's problem. <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that that's really cool. And then uh, there's another uh, there's another moment I really like in the Thieves Town dungeon. Um, I can't remember if it's called like Thieves Hideout or something like that. But uh, the boss of that dungeon is actually disguises themselves as like a maiden that you need to rescue so in the latter half of a link to the past uh link is tasked with rescuing seven or eight maidens i think it's seven maidens plus zelda who is also one of them yeah so uh you you rescue the maiden which is already a red flag because um they show up after you beat the bosses because they're like imprisoned in crystals and you know uh in the thieves hideout that breaks the pattern so that's already a little eyebrow raising when you take her out of the dungeon uh she just disappears like like it's fucking orpheus in eurydice <laughs> um so that's another thing it's like all right what's going on here i thought i did the thing i i rescued the maiden from a prison cell she wasn't turned into a crystal or whatever why is this not working and so you have the boss dungeon uh, you have the boss's lair like marked out on your map, and you might also notice that above, like a couple floors above the boss's dungeon, is a light source 
with a um, bombable floor. And so you get a hint from an NPC much earlier in the game that uh, explains that, like, there's this thief named Blind who really hates bright light. And so you have to take the maiden who's actually blind in disguise to uh, this, the boss lair after you bomb the ceiling so that the light is shining through to the boss lair. And that is the puzzle that triggers the boss fight. And then you have to fight Blind, who is a brutally difficult boss. Um, And only then uh, do you get the Maiden Crystal and, you know, are you allowed to, like, check that dungeon off? And that is less a puzzle in, like, the traditional Zelda sense. And it's more of a um, riddle that you have to solve. Yeah. It makes me think of, like the kind of thing you would get in, like, a point-and-click adventure game, almost. Yeah. Of, like, needing to kind of gather information from multiple sources and recognize, like, oh, this is a situation where this information I've been given is useful, I just need to figure out how. Right. And, like, it honestly, I've also been thinking a little bit as we've been talking about this, like, I guess this is more turning into a discussion of, like, games that engage with like sort of puzzle solving rather than Mm -hmm. like puzzle games yeah i would i would agree with that but where my brain has been going is i'm thinking about things like immersive sims and stealth games Mm, yeah yeah in which it's like being given a puzzle that can be solved in a variety of ways like a, a good stealth game is a game where you are able to get all of the information you need to have like a solid mental map of the area. You can see where all of the things that are potentially going to spot you are and then planning out, you know, your best possible route and sort of executing on that plan. And there can be some, you know, Twitch game reaction kind of timing involved in that execution, but it's much more of a sort of like tactical puzzle to solve and mm-hmm. thinking through, like, what are the tools I have? Where is everything going to be? What's the best route for me to take? And then when you open up to things like immersive sims, it gets even broader, where suddenly you're looking at, like, okay, do I want to play this like a stealth game? You know, t- thinking of something like Deus Ex, it's like, do I want to be sneaky? Do I want to go in guns blazing? Do I want to hack uh, the the turret so that the enemies will get killed by that? Do I want to try and do a pacifist run? Like, it it presents you with like this giant box of tools and says, I don't know. You solve the puzzle. Like we, we set up the dominoes. You figure out the best way to knock them down in the way that you think is fun. Right. And I, I God, I love immersive Sims. <laughs> I want more of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I feel like there was a indie immersive sim being developed, but now I can't remember the name or if uh, people liked it when uh it went early access so maybe it'll come up on my radar again and it will we'll be able to talk about it in more detail then but uh let's see i had a i had a couple others let me just uh check my notes real quick and by check my notes i mean look at these tabs of walkthroughs i have open (laughs) another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So uh, just just hearing you talk about like the, the kind of logic of, of puzzle solving in like a stealth game or an immersive sim, I think um, the Dragon Quest games are designed in such a way that like, I think they do really cool things with their, their economy. And what I mean by economy is that um, RPGs are all about resources. So yeah. you have your hit points, you have your magic points, you have whatever's in your inventory. You are rewarded but with um, experience points and funds. So you, you have all these different resources that you're kind of balancing and managing as you are continuing through a dungeon and dealing with ran- random battles as they come your way. Or I guess in later uh, Dragon Quest games, uh, just normal battles because you can see them on the overworld uh but what i what i really dig about um dragon quest is that i never felt like there was a throwaway spell i feel like there's a bit of a a stereotype in jrpgs where like status affecting spells are useless because no enemy like the amount of enemies you run into that will give you a hard time and are also susceptible to status effects are very slim. Yeah, get get tail whip off of my Rattata. That's not that doesn't right. deal damage. <laughs> uh, or even something like hypnosis. Like yeah, you know, hypnosis is useful in Pokemon when you're playing competitively because like you know that's free turns. But like in a game like Final Fantasy, putting an enemy to sleep is doesn't really mean a whole lot when you can kill that enemy in like two turns anyway. Um, with magic that costs about as much and is more powerful. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the thing that I really enjoyed about Dragon Quest Three when I played it a few years ago is that, um, A, uh, y- your uh, HP restoratives are limited to, like, herbs. And those things, the, the amount of HP they he- uh, heal, like, in contrast to your total hit points drops off fairly quickly Mm -hmm. on the plus side they're also fairly cheap so you can stock a bunch of them and so they're useful for like light healing in dungeons so you don't have to have your mages waste mp on uh curative spells but like in in terms of like in battle practicality they're they're not particularly useful but they're a resource that you can use right um and enemies uh like you know hit the enemy with the spell they're weak to to you know blah 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 bob's your uncle that's all cool. Uh, but like what makes Dragon Quest interesting, I think, is like when your MP gets low and you don't know how much dungeon you have left. And let's say two or three of your party members are dead. And in Dragon Quest, uh, resurrective items are incredibly rare. Mm. Like they're not Phoenix Downs. You can't buy like 50 of them at a store. <laughs> um, so the kind of creative puzzle solving that creates, I, I came to really appreciate. Um, Because when you are like when your sole surviving party member is a squishy mage and you want to be able to leave the dungeon so you don't lose half of your gold, because that's what happens when you die in Dragon Quest. You keep all your experience points and I think treasure you find, but you lose half your gold Um, and gold's precious in that game. What you do is you start thinking, all right, how do I buy myself more turns? How do I get as many enemies away as cheaply as possible and right. so you, you don't think i'm going to kill these enemies you think i'm going to use the um the poof spell and what the poof spell is is it targets a group of enemies and will i don't 
remember what the the dice roll is, but like you'll roll a dice and if there is a success, those enemies are just gone from the fight. You don't get e- EXP from them, but they are one less thing you have to worry about. Um, and so you're, you're looking at the, the finite resources that are constantly draining of like your, uh, your magic points. And you're thinking, okay, what is the most economical solution to this fight that might not get me as much EXP as I would like, but will hopefully allow me to continue to a point where I'm safe again? Yeah. You, you talking about this is making me think of, of, uh, uh, Darkest like, Dungeon, maybe? Darkest Dungeon a little bit, but, like, mm. what I think... It, it's reminding me of I, I, something I talked about very recently, which is uh, Into the Breach, the turn-based tactics, roguelike, uh, mech-versus-giant-alien-bug game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that I absolutely adore about Into the Breach that I think is elevates it from being you know a turn-based tactics game which again i love that genre i've played a lot of of games that fall under that but what i think sets into the breach apart is that you have perfect information and because of that you can approach it less like a like tactical okay risk reward you know what's the the best bang for my buck if everything goes right and what's the, the least uh catastrophic if things go wrong there's no is it going to go right or wrong there's no rng under the hood like you get in in most rng and in, or in most uh rpgs or most tactics games even you are told at the beginning of of the round what all of the enemies are going to do and you are able to you know you have your your mechs and their action economy and their abilities to kill or redirect those bugs mm-hmm. and you can solve it or you can't and I think that the more information that you can give the player, like it takes away some of the, the, that excitement. And like, I love that in a tactics game or an RPG where you're like, what you're describing is like, okay, can I get this spell to go off and like buy me the time that I need to recover? Mm -hmm. But the more you're able to remove things like the RNG from the equation, the more it opens it up to, really iterating on and enhancing like the challenge of the individual mm. decisions because it becomes it, a, a pure logic puzzle yeah and like not that that is better or worse than anything else but it is a very different sort of of approach and one that yeah i, I, I haven't found in that. many games other than into the breach which is why i catch myself playing that so much i think so the wildest thing is that um, when you go to a certain level deep in some other tactics games, I can't speak for all of them because really all I play is Fire Emblem and Final Fantasy Tactics. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the cooler things about Fire Emblem is that uh, the community has for every Fire Emblem game like PDFs that just show you every calculation <laughs> in the game. And I'm not I'm not so in the weeds that I, I know every single calculation, but like for my favorite Fire Emblem games, I can take a look at an enemy stat sheet and like even from a distance, like be able to identify what my odds are uh, when I if I send this unit to go up against them, like how much damage will they do? What is the likelihood that they will hit? What is the likelihood that they will miss? Um if uh, if an entire mo- if i send 
one unit into the middle of an entire mob, I can calculate how much HP they will have at the end of the turn if every single enemy hits them. Um, like, Fire Emblem can get really crazy if, like, you get really crazy. Right. <laughs> um, and I, I think, like, developing a, a strategy game that just has all that information up front is really cool, and I'm, I'm really happy that, like, um, that type of experience can be made more accessible. Yeah, I I would highly recommend checking out Into the Breach if you haven't. I, I really can't liked what I saw of it. I just keep forgetting to like check it out. That's fair. I I can't imagine that it's terribly expensive at this no, point. No, I, I don't think it is. In fact, you know what? I, I'm going to was... add it to my wish list right hey. now. <laughs> Opening up Steam. Hope it doesn't fuck up our Discord <laughs> connection. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have anything else to bring to bear on this. There's there's some puzzle games that I have been wanting to play like I uh Return of the Obra Dinn is like a pure puzzle mystery game and it's been on my list for fucking forever and I just haven't sat down and played it. Mm-hmm. Um but maybe maybe we'll return to this with a, a more focused look at like actual, you know, puzzle game puzzle, puzzle games. games at some point. I think that could be fun. Yeah. I don't I don't play a ton of puzzle games unfortunately like outside I don't of either, Tetris. but like it's a genre that I'm curious about, so... It's a genre that intimidates me. That's fair. <laughs> every every time I play Sonic Mania, I get to the Puyo um, boss fight, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, is this the time where I, I internalize the mechanics of Puyo? And it never is. <laughs> I, mean, I never feel like more of a scrub than when I fight uh, the Chemical Plant Zone Act 1 boss in Sonic Mania. <laughs> I always forget that they f- put fucking Puyo Puyo into Sonic it's Mania. Such, it's such a funny little gag, it's but so like good. also it's like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> Shall we wrap up? I think it's time, yeah. I think it's time. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Let us know on, uh, on social media, and Dylan will tell you uh, just how to do that in a minute. But I let will. us know about your favorite games that either are pure puzzle games, because like I said, it's a genre that I'm curious to... to know more about it's one that i that is fairly untapped for me but there are some some standouts that i really want to get into uh, or your favorite game that like over plays with some shit what's that i said we should play goof troop over parsec <laughs> <laughs> yeah or or your favorite game that has like puzzle game elements or or elements of that kind of like logical lateral thinking type stuff i uh, can't believe i forgot to talk about resident evil <laughs> moving on we could probably do a whole episode on resident evil at some point and have it be pretty fucking fun let's put that in the back pocket for for uh sometime in the future that sounds like a good one Mm -hmm. um yeah uh if you want to stay tuned for our future resident evil episode uh don't know what that character voice was be sure to (laughs) it was like subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice For more of this, I guess, I thank you. Thank you for your patience. Uh, you, can, you, you can find us on Spotify, on the Apple Podcast Service, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can also find us at our website, bsgpod.com, if you want to know more about the two of us and more about the show. If you want to reach out to us directly, we've got a contact form there. Uh, yeah, what about social media, Dylan? Where can they find us there? Yeah, if you want to hit us up on social media, you can find us on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, and you can find us on Facebook. And if you want to uh, talk about any of these wonderful subjects, we would love it if you use that hashtag BSG POD, BSG pod. Um, 
gets a little gets a little attention our way and we we love you for it um also huge thanks to our friend brendan french for the key art he has provided our show um if you dig out if you dig out his stuff if you dig his stuff you can check him out on his squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com that is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-french.squarespace.com or you can find him on instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts and on his twitter at brennan underscore french you should also go check out our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio, Volume 1, Instrumentality. And you can find more of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Thanks, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of other podcasts about video games, so if you like our show, you're sure to like some of theirs, too. Go to Twitter and go to at HPVGPodNetwork to find more of those shows. And thank you to you, our patrons, at patreon.com slash bsgpod. It is a, that is where uh, we get the most direct support from the people who listen to the show, which means the world to us. It means that we're not losing money on things like web hosting fees, which is incredible and, uh, Thank you so much to those of you who are already patrons, and if you like the show and want to support it directly, Patreon is a great way to do that. That's patreon.com slash bsgpod. With that, I think we'll wrap up for now. We'll be back in a couple weeks, maybe to talk about Resident Evil, maybe to ramble about some other bullshit that catches our fancy in the intervening You know time. us. That's, that's the backstage gaming promise. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.